like a moment from a horror movie. You have been hanging out in the wrong clubs, Mr. Wayne. I've seen this movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Join the club. We've got jackets. And you stole it from a movie. We want you in our club, kid. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me, as always, is the Dr. Corey Starr. It doesn't say doctor. Hello. It does say doctor. It says DR. I know, but not on the door. <laughs> oh, not on the door. That's right. Sorry. Um, yes, that is a good reference to a movie that I uh, picked for this month. And that's right, listeners. It's February uh, 2021. And our theme for the month is bromance. We've done a lot of different romance themed uh, topics over the years for February because Valentine's Day. Um, last year, we did Love Antosha in honor of the uh, Anton Yelchin documentary. So we watched a bunch of Anton Yelchin movies that we hadn't seen, which there was a reason for most of them that we hadn't seen. Them. <laughs> um, it was still good to see them though. <laughs> it was, it's good to check off as much of a uh, Chekhov's list. Cause you know, he's <laughs> Chekhov. Um, the best, but this month we went bromance, uh, which was Corey's idea. And I love it because I'm a big fan of the bromance. Um, so we had to go looking for movies we hadn't seen, uh, this month bodes well, and the movie that we're starting off with is The King's Speech, the Best Picture winner for 2010, um, which I had not seen. And uh, Matt and I did 2010 on Astrology a few months back, and uh, it was brought up then that I needed to check this out. So it was when I saw this pop up as a bromance, which I had no idea that was going to be the premise of this movie. I knew the, the basic gist of the story, but I didn't realize... Uh, you could frame it as a bromance, and it totally is. I think it totally fits into that category. But um, we're going to get into our review of that in a little bit. Before we do, Corey and I like to catch up with what we've been doing since the last time we recorded and see what else we've been watching. So, Corey, how you doing? So glad the weekend's here. So glad. Oh, he's real. He's actually here twice because it's the oh. weekend, and the weekend is the Super Bowl halftime performance. What do you think of that? what that's true true story oh my gosh um, i'm like we're doing that this year i don't i don't know i keep i i had a friend go what are you doing for the super bowl i was like that's happening because one it, it's happening in florida like hardcore because it is in tampa oh yeah and tampa is in the super bowl and apparently that's like never happened or something um i don't know if that's true but that's what one of my friends said i i have I used to be into sports listeners for a long time. I kept up with sports and I I don't remember. I, I stopped caring before I really dedicated myself to studying film. But when I got into film, it was like impossible. There was no way I could keep up with sports too. There was just too many variables. And I've uh, since really grown to kind of dislike sports mostly because people get so crazy about them and so it's just like you got to calm down like we can't fight over sports um yeah and and but i am a bucks fan uh i i became a bucks fan in 96 i think um when they switched from the old creamsicle uniforms to the more modern pirate you know like look the red and the platinum or the pewter and i became a big fan uh partly because of that but also they drafted warwick dunn he was from florida state and i was a florida state fan so I can't deny that there is a part of me that's really excited that the Bucks are in the Super Bowl again. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't care. I haven't watched a football game in a long time. So, uh, But it is the Super Bowl. I might watch that um, sometime. I didn't watch last year. So I'm not like super like stoked about it. But I do like excuses to have wings. 
And <laughs> yeah, the food's good. Yeah, so I might, I might, you know, it'll just be like me and Kathy uh, and Taylor if she cares enough to watch the. Oh no, Taylor's working. Um, but yeah, I'm not super pumped about it. But it is this weekend, and the weekend is the halftime show. So there you go, folks. A little uh, sports talk on the radio. But I'm also glad it's the weekend. Um, you know, sometimes, uh, well, sometimes I'm just tired, and today's one of those where I'm, yes. I'm feeling pretty, pretty drained. Mm-hmm. But, um, but we'll watch some good movies uh, since the last time we recorded, and um, I don't have anything else to talk about how I'm feeling, so I'm, I'm good to hop into what we've been watching. If you're good with that, yeah. You want to go first or second? You can go first this week. All right, well, let's start with the non-movie thing that I watched. Um, technically, it's movie-related, but I've, I've been meaning to watch movies that made us on Netflix. I've watched the holiday movies oh. that made us. But there was a four-part uh, movies that made us series, which was it's Dirty Dancing, oh. Home Alone. I, I think it's weird that they have a holiday movies that made us, but there's a Home Alone and the regular one. I'm like, come on, guys, be consistent here. Um, but Dirty Dancing, Home Alone, Ghostbusters. Uh, and Die Hard. I mean, if there's a movie that made me, it Ghostbusters is one of them for sure. I uh, was the first movie I saw in theaters. It it introduced me to Bill Murray, who's still one of my favorite actors. Um, absolutely adore that film uh, in almost every way. So the movies that made us really fun. I just had them on in the background, but I you know uh, I love hearing stories and the like. Uh, all of them are kind of wrought with how they were almost didn't happen. Uh, the Home Alone stuff, I learned some really cool stuff about Home Alone that I never knew. Um, all of the inside of the house stuff was obviously a set, which that wasn't as surprising, but the set was built in a gym in an abandoned high school. What? Um, yeah, and like seeing that, like them, like it, I was blown away um, by the interior stuff for the house and how they did it. It was really cool. Um, and even the, the scene at the end of Home Alone when uh, he's running up the stairs and they catch him and they like hang him up on the door um when he's running up the stairs like there's water flowing down the stairs because it was one of the houses they'd already robbed and like they built that in the deep end of a a swimming pool at on the school ground so that the water could run into the pool and i'm just like i i I love stuff like that that is so cool and i need to watch more behind the scenes stuff i just i always you know i'm trying to watch the movies so i don't take the time to do the behind the scenes like documentary stuff but that stuff is always so fascinating to me so um Movies that made us Netflix, I recommend for sure. I've watched quite a few movies. Um, Matt and I recorded and have released uh, our astrology episode for 1996. Um, that's out now wherever you get your podcast or if you search movie astrology. Uh, what that is, and I, Corey, I know you don't always listen to me uh, talk on other podcasts, but astrology has been a lot of fun because we do one full year of film. And so we always hit the top 10 based on box office. And then uh, a lot of, you know, um, big big releases or notable releases that we want to talk about. And the, the top 10, I, I had not seen two movies on the top 10 for 1996. Actually, three, but I'd already watched Jerry Maguire like a week or two ago. So since we last recorded this, I had to watch... Um, actually, sorry. Right before we recorded this, uh, last week, I, I watched The Hunchback of Notre Dame for the first time, um, which was on the top 10 for uh, 96. But what I had not seen... And I watched Saturday morning was the live action one one hundred and one Dalmatians. Oh, I thought you were skipping that. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna, and then I was like, you know what? I got, I got some things I got to do on the computer. I'm just gonna throw it on in the background because it was, you know, I was okay if I didn't catch it, catch it. Um, didn't love it. Uh, 
there's some side plot stuff that I thought was really obnoxious. Um, like Jeff Daniels character is a uh, video game designer and he's insistent that his video game be the Dalmatian. And I'm just like, why is this the subplot of this movie? Like we do not need the video game subplot at all. It's not necessary. But um, then Saturday night, my big excitement, and I, I immediately messaged you, and I, I, I know you probably still have not been able to uh, investigate the Sparks um, at all, but Edgar Wright's first documentary debuted at Sundance, uh, and I bought a virtual ticket to see the show, uh, to see the movie, and then do the Q&A with uh, Edgar and the Sparks um, afterwards. I didn't, like, ask a question, but I was I, I did watch it. I have found that the virtual film festival Q&As are much less obnoxious than the live Q and A's because people don't get to speak. They have to type their questions. Oh, fair. <laughs> which means they don't get to do a five minute diatribe before they ask a question. That's usually pointless in the first place. Everyone's like, Oh, when I was five, I first saw you at this one place and you did this thing. And I have to tell everybody right now about how it meant something to me. And what's your favorite color? It's like, dude, seriously, <laughs> you did a five minute, like, you know, monologue to get to that question. Anyways, um, I really enjoyed the movie. Like the movie was so good. Uh, not surprised Edgar is. If you've ever listened to Edgar or read something he's written about the things he's passionate about, the dude's a nerd. He's he's me, and I love that about him so much. Like he knows every detail, and that's what you get in this documentary. Is like you don't just get a quick overview of who the Sparks are. You get to know who the Sparks are, what they did, and um, and yet it's done artist artistically because edgar is a really talented visual director um it is such a cool documentary it's endlessly engaging and i knew nothing about the sparks and i now know a lot about them um i've, I've listened to some of their music i like it it's not my style necessarily and it's a little repetitive which often annoys me anyway so it doesn't a hundred percent work for me but i'm still really impressed with them and uh I love the doc though. Um, definitely recommend keeping your eye out for when that is released. It will definitely get distribution because it's Edgar Wright. Um, I'm just not sure when we'll be able to see it again, but keep your, uh, add it to your watch list listeners. Um, big tuna pushed me to, to go see a second Sundance film called crypto zoo. This very odd animated film. Um, but very, very good, very, uh, thought provoking and challenging. It is not just something you can, uh, put on and like, Oh, I'll get it. Um, stars like Bell, who I'm a big fan of anyways. And then there's a lot of other uh, voice actors. Michael Sarah's in it. Zoe Kazan, um, Alec Karpovsky, and Louisa Kraus, um, and uh, Angelica Papulia, who is in all of the Yorgos Lanthimos movies. Um, so a really, really compelling, weird movie uh, from Sundance. Again, that's it's polarizing. So that one's not easy to recommend because, again, it's not going to work for everybody. Um, you know, I listen to the Blank Check with Griffin and David podcast uh, pretty, pretty consistently. It is one of my favorite things. I love waking up on Sunday morning. I go to the gym early on Sundays and Blank Check drops on Sunday morning. So like that's my gym routine. Okay. Um, yes, I do. I do listen to podcasts when I work out. It is. <laughs> I don't know why um, that is my preference. Uh, but they are starting. Um, they just finished the Robert Zemeckis uh, filmography. And I've, I've seen all of Zemeckis' films. Uh I'd already seen all of them, but two, and I had not seen Beowulf. Oh, I'm sorry. That's not true. All but five. Uh, his first three films I had never seen, and then Flight and Beowulf from like the early 2000s I had not seen, and I've now seen all of his movies. Um, 
I was already as a Mechas fan. Uh, he's he's definitely got an up and down career, especially the latter half of his career is kind of on the downward slide. But it was still a compelling um, series of podcasts. But they are starting their next uh, mini series, um, and they're doing two directors together because they work together, uh, Musker and Clements. They are notorious uh, Disney animated film directors. Uh, their first movie for Disney was The Great Mouse Detective, which I'd never seen. Oh, um, so. So I watched it uh, on Disney Plus the other day, and it's great. Um, it's especially if you like Sherlock Holmes, because it is clearly a mouse version of Sherlock Holmes. Um, I, I had a blast watching it. Uh, but th- these guys, their next movie is a little smaller. You may may or may not have heard of it. It's called Little Mermaid. Um, and then they do Aladdin, and then they do Hercules, and then they do Princess and the Frog. Actually, I skipped one. They did Treasure Planet. That's the only one I haven't seen. Uh, but then they do Princess and the Frog. And then they do Moana. So I'm kind of a fan of these guys. I uh, didn't know that until the, they announced this was their miniseries. But um, I do have to watch Treasure Planet still. But luckily, Disney Plus, easy to do. Um, but I'm a fan of all those other movies. Moana is uh, one of my favorite movies in the last couple of years, especially animated films. I love Moana very, very much. Listen to that soundtrack so many times. Um, but... It sounds like you were a fan of uh, The Great Mouse Detective. Is that right? Yeah, I haven't seen it since I was a kid, but... Yeah, I, you know, for I could have swore I'd seen it, but apparently I just saw The Rescuers and assumed... I love The anyone... Rescuers! Right, but I, I guess I connected them with The Great Mouse Detective just because they're mice. And so I'd never seen The Great Mouse Detective I've very much. Bernard. Yeah, and I haven't seen that since I was a kid, but I did like The, the Rescuers. Um, so then... Matt and I, for Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, reviewed the new Denzel Washington, Jared Leto, and Rami Malek film, The Little Things. Um, oh, yeah. It's on HBO Max. It's the first major release that was uh, theatrical and same day on HBO Max. Um, it's on HBO Max for 30 days, and then it will go away for, I think they're saying a year. I think that's probably not accurate. I think it'll whenever it comes out on Blu-ray, I think we'll get it on HBO Max within a month or two after that. But they are hoping to recoup some expenses. Um, it is getting a lot of hate. I don't think it's bad. It's definitely not great. It, it's a very much easy to compare to movies like Seven, and it, it is a far cry from Seven. Like Seven is a masterpiece. This movie's like cool. It's I can watch it. It's I, I found it engaging. I, I do. I was thinking about it for the next day or two. Um, I think Jared Leto is a bit much in the movie. Rami Malek is a little underwhelming but not in a not in a real bad way but denzel is denzel he's fantastic and he's just always fantastic he doesn't have to try he's just that good um but if you have hbo max i definitely say it's worth your time um watch the movie for today okay so this next movie listener i'm going to say almost nothing about but if you have hulu watch in and of itself and do yourself a favor and don't look anything up about it avoid anything that you can Know that it is a, technically a documentary. I would even maybe call it a concert film, but it's not a band. It's like a live stage performance. But that's all I'm going to say. I'm not even going to tell you what I thought. Just that if you have Hulu, you should watch it. That's it. Um, and then tonight, uh, just minutes before we started recording, um, I finished a film that I've had on my watch list since Big Tuna was a freshman in high school, which I'm pretty sure is six years um, ago, maybe seven. Uh, he, as a 14 year old told me I should watch this movie called Laura from 1944. At the time I was still kind of in a weird bias about older movies. And I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. 
Um, I am actively trying to watch much older films now. And uh, Voodoo had a sale um, for black. It's funny because it's like buy two uh, for $10 black and white movies. And so initially it's like mostly older stuff, but then they just have like, like the lighthouse other like modern (laughs) movies that are also in black and white. So I'm like, all right, voodoo. I see what you're doing. But um, Laura was on that list. So I was like, cool. I'm going to snag it while I can. Um, I did buy a modern film. I bought George Clooney's uh, generally only critically well-received directed film. uh, Good night and good luck. Um, Almost all of his other directing uh, projects have been panned by critics, but that's like the one that like, Oh, this shows he can do it. Um, and so I was like, I've been wanting to see that one. So I'll snag that too. Um, I had a lot of the other black and white films that I wanted to see on the list, but I watched Laura. Um, it's a noir film, which I'm a big fan of the genre in general. I still have a lot of gaps in the genre, but I've seen a lot of the bigger ones from the genre, uh, including recently finally watching the Maltese Falcon. Um, I don't feel like Laura gets talked about enough, uh, in general. It's, it's real good and it's um man there i i kept waiting for things to like for me to figure out what was going to happen and it it's not predictable i would say uh and at the same time there is like some predictability especially if you if you know the genre and you know movies um but i i still was never confident watching the movie i had a really good time with it um in fact the last two nights I don't know if, if I've made a, a bigger conscious effort to put my phone down, even though I'm watching movies at home. I think I'm coming to terms with the fact that it's not going to change anytime soon. Um, and so I, I did not, when I watched the movie on Hulu, it uh, in and of itself, I did not touch my phone for 99% of it. Like there were, I, I, if my wife's not home, I do feel like if I get a message, I have to at least make sure it's not her in case, you know, worst case scenario kind of stuff pops in my head Mm -hmm. um so she was out last night when i was watching that so anytime i got a text i would check my watch as long as it wasn't her i kept watching the movie and then during laura i was i got so hooked i wasn't even thinking about my phone so um it was exciting to uh, have back-to-back nights where i did not want to like play a game on my phone while i was watching a movie because some of the movies that have come out recently especially don't really make me uh give all of my attention so um that said what have you been watching um not as much as you i did rewatch the thing Ooh. um i'm still i've still been picking off some episodes of that murderous affair show i watched the whole four-part series for the night stalker on netflix very interesting mm-hmm. scary mm-hmm. um i watched season Episodes 1 through 3 of season 10 of The Walking Dead. It was like, watch the first episode for free. And I was like, okay, on Amazon. But let me watch three episodes. And then it tried to make me sign up for the AMC. And I was like, hmm. I started watching The Ripper, which is another true crime documentary series thing on Netflix. But it's like all of these horrible things are going on and... I don't know. I feel like the people in the documentary just are too calm about it, I guess. I don't... Hmm. I mean, I know it happened a long time ago, but I don't know. And then I started rewatching because I had such a terrible week. I uh, started rewatching something that makes me happy and I haven't watched in a very long time, which is Pushing Daisies. Hmm. 
they just added it to HBO Max, which really? I I have not uh, seen that. Oh, I love it. It's one of my favorites. Um, it ends abruptly. <laughs> it does, right? Like they never did a movie or anything to wrap it up. No, well, not that I've That's heard it. of. <laughs> but I mean, I you would probably know. I feel like I probably would, but um, yeah, I love that show. If you haven't watched it, uh, there is like a lot of CGI stuff going on, but I don't feel like it takes away from the show at all. Now, I've I've always heard good things. I just uh, I don't think I was I heard good things after it was gone, and then I don't think it's been on any streaming services. So this is cool that it's on um that one. Mm-hmm. And that's all. Okay, look, I, I will be watching the uh, fifth episode of WandaVision tomorrow, probably, but I did not get to do it today. Um, and my that's been my big thing. I, I want to watch more stuff, and I keep like having these weird windows of time where I just can't fit things in, and I don't like watching things in chunks if I can avoid it. Um, so like there were at least like two or three nights this week where I didn't watch anything, really. Like I would throw something on YouTube in the background just because I was like, I only have an hour till I need to go to the gym. And then once I'm at the gym, I'm there for like an hour. And I'm, you know, if I'm on the treadmill, I can watch something. But if I'm, if I'm working out, like it's hard to like put something on other than music or a podcast or something. So I, I just haven't been able to squeeze things in that I really want to watch. Like I have uh, some goals this year. I want to finish the top 100 AFI list, which I'm at like, um, last I looked, I think I was at 74. Mm. Um, I'm going to check now, but, uh, I found out, after watching the movie we're about to talk about that I am, uh, I'm pretty close to seeing uh, not all of the best picture winners, but like the best picture winners that I was alive for, which has become kind of like a micro goal is like uh, Gandhi is the 1982 best picture win- winner. And that's the year I was born. So I want to see all the best picture winners from my birth year till now. Um, and I have uh, partly um, we're, our next year for astrology is 1985 or I th- whatever. So uh, out of Africa wins. And so that is on. I have to watch that anyways, because it's on the top 10. And then um, like I, I pretty much have seen everything. I haven't seen 12 years of slave, which I'm going to watch. I know I've been putting it off and I, I I'm at the point I've seen a couple of Steve McQueen movies. Now I know I have to watch it. So it's on the list. Uh, I've never seen the artist, but I've owned for years. I just haven't got to it. Um, Shakespeare in Love, The English Patient, Unforgiven, The Last Emperor, and Amadeus, and Gandhi. Those are the only movies I, I have to watch to complete that little mini goal. At some point, I want to see all the Best Picture winners, but it, there's 92 years of the Oscars, and I've seen 49 of the movies. Dang. So not bad. Um, not bad. I'm over 50%. Uh, so that's that. And there's a couple of movies on the old list that I need, like, uh, a big gap for me, one of the biggest gaps is Gone with the Wind. Mm. And I still, like, I'm really not compelled to watch that. But it's, like, I've owned it for years. I just, I'm one day I'm going to have to, like, just dive in. I um, feel like I need to watch that with my adult glasses. You know what I don't think I knew? What? Rebecca? Rebecca? Yeah. The the Hitchcock movie? It won Best Picture. I don't oh. think I knew that when we watched it. Like, I, I don't think I was aware of that. Um, oh. Uh, but yeah, nineteen. It came out in nineteen forty, so it usually means it won the forty one Oscar. But, um, but yeah, I don't think I was aware of that when we. Uh, I'm not always great at looking at the movies to see if it won a Best Picture or not. But so, um, a couple little. Uh, so, uh, Empire Magazine has a top one hundred list that they did a few years back, and I've seen 
all but two on that list. Dang. And I have not seen... This movie's been on my radar for way too long. It's also on the AFI Top 100. It's The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Um, I've seen the end of the movie too many times because I've actually taught the editing in that sequence. Um, but I've never watched the whole movie. It's like, I think, just at three hours. So that's part of the reason I haven't watched it. Um, it's it's on the list. And then uh, Once Upon a Time in the West is the other movie on the Empire Top 100 that I've never seen. Um both of those are directed by Sergio Leone. Both are Westerns, and that's why I had not seen them up until now. Um, I have access to both of them. I just need to sit and watch them, and that list will be complete. So that's another like micro goal of mine. <laughs> and then a big macro goal. This is like not going to happen, but it's something that I'm kind of aware of. Uh, Empire, the magazine, um, has a podcast that I did not know. But uh, I want to buy the newest issue of Empire Magazine because... Um, Edgar Wright did this uh, article where he interviewed a bunch of filmmakers and actors and actresses about their favorite cinematic experiences, right? Mm. And like he got like everybody, like Spielberg's in it, uh, James Cameron, George, uh, Guillermo del Toro, all these all these amazing people have given their kind of their their favorite moment about going to the cinema because in this time when we can't go they're rallying around and Edgar is a film nerd. That's one of the things that I love about him so much is he knows movies, right? One of the big notable gaps in the article though, is Quentin Tarantino didn't write anything because he missed the deadline. Oh, so what they did was they let Edgar and Quentin do an episode of the podcast. Um, the host of the podcast is there, but he might as well not be no offense to the guy, but he does not get to talk uh, Edgar and Quentin pretty much talk 99% of the, the episode. It's a three hour long episode of them basically talking about all the movies they've been watching under quarantine. First, it's what is your favorite cinematic experience, which both give like, I think three each and they're amazing stories. I mean, it's Edgar and, and Quentin who are storytellers, right? So they're telling these really great stories. You got to deal with Quentin kind of hesitating. He does that kind of like pause in his talk. Um, and his audio sucks. He's like on an iPad in a bathroom or something like it sounds real bad. But it's still, it was a super compelling podcast. And uh, I love the, the thing about listening to Edgar Wright and Quentin Tarantino talk. Not only are they mega nerds and know everything about movies, but they're also Edgar Wright and Quentin Tarantino. So they know everybody. And Edgar's like, well, I, I, I wrote Martin Scorsese and asked him to give me a list of uh, British films that like w people need to know about. And so the last hour and a half of the podcast is basically them going over Martin Scorsese's list. So thanks to people on letterbox, they assembled every single movie that Quentin and Edgar talk about on this podcast, 168 films Holy. in the three hour podcast. Um, and so I have a list. I have seen 25 of the 168 films oh. that they mentioned on this episode. <laughs> That's nuts. Um, a lot of the movies are movies I'd never heard of or like that. And this, this list is literally movies that they mentioned. So even if they just said it in passing, it's on this list. Um, some were talked in great detail and others were just like, Oh yeah, that's a good movie next. And um, so I'm like, okay, well, here's a, a, a goal. I will probably never really actively seek to, to achieve, but Martin Scorsese recommended a lot of these movies. So if they happen to come up, I want to know that I saw it, you know what I'm saying? So, um, I, I clone the list on my letterbox. Uh, if you go to my letterbox listeners, you can find all of these lists because I have them all there as well as some other lists that I, I make and whatnot. But um, my big goal for this year is to complete the AFI top 100. Definitely going to complete the Empire uh, 
top 100 because I'm almost there and to at least see all of the best picture winners since I've been alive. Um, those are my, my big movie goals for 2021. And I've been trying to do that. And yet my, my schedule just often does not allow because of weird, like Kathy's work schedule is weird. Now she gets off at six. So like we're eating at like seven. So then by the time I like finish dinner and everything, it's almost eight. So now I have only like an hour and a half before I need to go to the gym. Cause I got to go to bed by 11. So like, cramming a movie in has been a little more difficult during the week than I would like it to be. But I, I'm, I'm working on some uh, shuffling in my scheduling to try to, to fit at least one or two more in a week um, if I can. Or I might have to do what you do, Corey, and watch them in fragments, uh, <laughs> which just irks me to no end. But I, I mean, it's, if it's the only way I'm going to get these movies out, um, then I think it might be what I have to do, especially the long ones like uh, Good, the, Good mean, the Bad, and the Ugly. Three hours... But I would do it in a heartbeat in the theater. That's what stinks. It's like it's because I'm I, sitting at home and I know I have other things I could be doing or need to be doing. Exactly. When you're at the theater, you're at the theater. You can't, you know. Right. Which I, I, the last thing I'll say, listeners, before we get into uh, our review for the week, um, my wife kind of made me feel very sad because she was like, oh, the this one theater that's about 45 minutes away from us tomorrow they're doing five dollars either pretty in pink or the breakfast club and i've seen both of those movies i don't even know how many times and i've seen pretty in pink in the theater i don't think i saw breakfast club on the big screen um but i can't i just can't do it like i really want to i haven't been in a movie theater since march and i really really want to go but I, I just I, I'm not comfortable, like especially here, mm-hmm. man, we're, we're acting like it's not happening here in Florida. And that stresses me out um, all the more, you know, so I'm just like, no, I, I'm sorry. And I feel, you know, I feel bad because, again, other people are going to do things like that right now. So, like, you know, um, I'm just uh, man, the idea of sitting in a theater with who knows how many people. Um, and it could be nobody. Maybe no one else is going. I'd be more inclined if I knew for sure it was nobody. But yeah. Um, and we do have a theater chain where you can rent the theater out, but it's still it's like two hundred bucks or one hundred fifty bucks, and like I'd need you can I think you can have up to twenty people do that. Oh. Like if I could if I had twenty friends, cool. I don't have twenty friends. Um, not not who will like commit to going to a movie. Like that's why I I do a podcast with someone in Idaho and <laughs> England. Uh, <laughs> There's not a lot of movie people around me that that kind of commitment, you know. Um, so I, you know, if you guys were here, we could totally, you know, put some money together. We go watch a movie together. Yeah. But um, unfortunately, no. But all right, listeners, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're talking about the King speech from 2010. Hey, this is Matt from What I Watched Tonight. Come join me in the back row for movie discussion, retrospective episodes with guests, director-focused shows, end-of-year rankings, start-of-the-year predictions, and much, much more. There's more going on in the back row than you might think. And we're back. The King Speech. Uh, as I mentioned, the Best Picture winner from uh, the 2011 Oscars um, beats David Fincher's The Social Network, which is probably why it doesn't deserve the award because the social network is insanely good. Um, easily one of the best movies of that decade. Uh, the, but the King speech is directed by Tom Hooper, who has made such great movies, such as Les Mis and most recently cats. Um, yes, that's right, folks. Cats don't get 
too excited. Uh, no, he uh, this movie. Um, I don't know if you can compare it, but he also did the Danish Girl, which I didn't dislike. Um, I've heard, I've heard a lot of criticism about it after the fact. I, I can understand some of the criticism for sure. Um, I didn't think it was a bad movie though. But uh, stars Colin this movie, sorry, King Speech stars Colin Firth, Jeffrey Rush, Helena Helena ba- ba- Bonham Carter. Um, and I heard her name pronounced odd and it's like throwing me off now where I feel like, wait, I feel like I've always said it right, but now I'm not sure. Um, how Derek do you Jacobi, say it? Uh, uh, Helena Bonham Carter. Helena Bonham. That's how I've always said it. That's how I say it too. Yeah. But I can't remember the pronunciation I heard, but it's making me doubt mine. So Helena? I just like, maybe I heard Helena. I don't know. Um, but that's pretty much the gist of the cast. Uh, Jennifer Ellie is in it. Um, barely, uh, most of the other people are barely in it. Like uh, Timothy Spall is in it for a second. Um, he's a major character, but he's not the character is not prominent. Um, I, I'm I'm not loving the new IMDb cast listing because Guy Pierce is not in the top here, and Guy Pierce is like the brother to King George the Sixth, and he's not listed in the top cast here. It makes zero sense. Um, IMDb, what is going on with your new site? I do not like the changes. If you're listening to this, fix it. I don't like it um but uh cory i actually don't remember i don't think i asked you had you seen the king speech prior to this episode yeah oh you had yeah so this theaters. Is... oh wow what made you go see it in the theater i don't know i also saw social network in theaters <laughs> that's i have such a regret about not seeing that in theater you know where the first time i saw the social network was where the treadmill movie room at Gold's Gym. <laughs> I knew you were gonna say while you were working out. Yeah, I knew it. <laughs> and that was years ago, but I was. I also saw Avatar there for the first time. Like, um, that 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 room because it was the best place to be on a treadmill. Introduced me to several movies that I probably would not have watched. The Social Network was the first one though where I saw it, and I was like, I went home and bought it. I was like, I need to watch this like for real, like not on a treadmill. Um, but I I had no interest in the king's speech um and i don't really know why i just i don't i didn't know what it was i i have recently developed a major interest in world war ii related content i don't necessarily want to watch movies about the war but i love all of the stuff around it um the political stuff the social stuff i find it endlessly compelling i just listened to uh i've talked about this on the podcast but the um Five came back where it's talking about the five directors that went and filmed war stuff. That was endlessly interesting. Um, I, 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 something I was never really interested in. And suddenly I found, I find myself completely captivated by it. Even just like movies of the forties are really drawing me into them. I watched Laura, like I said earlier. Um, and so I think I would have jumped on this movie so much faster if I realized when it was taking place. I, I literally had no idea what king this was. I didn't know anything about this movie court. And the thing that makes even less sense is I'm a big fan of Colin Firth. Like, I don't think there's a movie I've seen with him that I've not enjoyed. Um, which I'm guessing, is he the reason that you went and saw this in the theater? Because you also were, uh, like, we watched A Single Man a few years back. Um, man, I, <laughs> you're talking about <laughs> that movie and isn't that the one with julianne moore <laughs> um yes and they're talking about the tanqueray bottle <laughs> yeah that i that's my favorite gin um moving on um 
So I don't remember. Bill and I just used to go to a lot of movies and mm. we just would go see all sorts of things, you know. I feel like we probably heard it was good or something and went to see it. I don't even remember what theater we saw it at. And I didn't realize when this movie came out, but I was thinking about it. It came out in 2010, so it was just probably not long after we moved yeah. here. So, and then well, I'm, like, oh, I'm I, old. I was not going to the movies a lot at that time. Taylor was like six, so very rarely would we go to the theater. Um, I definitely never was alone um, to go to the theater. So, like, you know, if I was seeing a movie, it had to be something Taylor was also interested in or uh, allowed to go to, or I tricked her into seeing Iron Man when she was five. But still, <laughs> um, I love it. Uh, I wasn't going nearly as often as I would be like in the next five years, but the 2010 theater going was very, very infrequent. Um, I would say from like 2004 into like, I don't know, Taylor was like 10. I barely went to the movies. And once she was about 10, we started going frequently together. And by 12, she was like my movie buddy. Um, but I missed a lot of stuff before that. So, uh, those are my excuses for not seeing things in the theater and um, including Scott Pilgrim. One of my biggest regrets uh, did not see that in theaters, although it wasn't in theaters super long, but um, I, so I picked this uh, because found out it was romance. I, I mentioned that I, we talked about it on uh, bloody awesome. I'm sorry. In, on astrology with Matt and Matt highly recommended it. I still didn't know what this was. So, so as soon as this movie kicks in and I, I get the timetable, I'm like, oh my god! Wait a minute. This ties in with um, Darkest Hour, yes. the uh, movie about Winston Churchill, and so I'm like, okay, that's really interesting. I didn't put that together, and I also, when I saw Darkest Hour, I still barely knew anything about World War II. So, I mean, I knew like the war, but I didn't know like the political, especially the British political exactly. stuff. Exactly. Like, like I knew nothing of that, right? Because we're not that. taught that. No, and to be fair, to be fair to my history teachers in high school. I didn't listen. I had no interest in history. I, I they most of them were boring. Um, one teacher would just tell us to read the chapter and answer the questions. I, I didn't. I didn't read. I answered the questions. I didn't read the chapter. I had no time for that. Um, you know. So I, I I admit my side of it. I was not compelled by history, um, and that's something. I, as I've gotten older, especially as I've studied film more, and I start realizing how the historical culture of the time is embedded in the films because that's what people were thinking about so like as i've gotten more into that side of things and seeing the connections i have become much more interested in history and let's be real the last four years have been kind of crazy and made me become painfully aware of my weakness of social and historical content so i what i do best when i realize i have a weakness that is now affecting me i'm going to try to strengthen it and Thus, this movie, not only was I compelled by the, the the setup and the premise, but man, how great is freaking Jeffrey Rush in this movie? Like, I love him so much. And I, I already like Colin Firth. And also, I'm, I, I clearly love this movie. Helena Bottom Carter is always great. But this is such a different side of her for me, where it's not Tim Burton. She's not over the top. She's not saying off with their heads and, and being, you know, crazy. She is subdued and calm. And let's, um, I, I forgot, Fight Club. She's she's not being Marla Singer. You know what I'm saying? Like, she is the most normal woman in this movie. And I've seen her in a couple other things where she gets to do that. But I think she's more often associated with those big performances or the, you know, even I forget she's in Les Mis, uh, 
with Tom Hooper and she's like, you know, um, Russell, not, not Russell Brand, Sasha Baron Conan's wife in that movie. And they're, they're awful. And wait, am I confusing? That's another musical. What musical is that? Maybe that is Les Mis. I don't know. No, that is Les Mis. Yeah, that's Les Mis. I don't like Les Mis for the record, but other people do. Um, I, I like her anyways, but I thought she was really great in this. Uh, and I love getting, I, I like getting to see her do other things outside of the big, um, even like when she's in Harry Potter, she's like so big. Um, and here she's so much more subdued. I, I enjoyed this movie so much. I thought the relationship between the, the, the who will become King and, um, Lionel Logue is fantastic. There's some really tough moments, really terse, intense moments, but I, I believe the outcomes. I just, uh, the chemistry between the two guys is great. So I'm glad when I looked up bromances that this one popped up. Cause I, I went through, I think a good, I found like a list of like a hundred bromances and I went through like the first 20 something movies. I'd seen them all oh, wow. because I like this genre. I'm a big fan of the bromance genre. I mean, you got to think like the Edgar Wright Cornetto trilogy is a bromance trilogy, right? It's all about, it's always about Simon Pegg's character and Nick Frost's character and their relationship it's always centered around that like yes there's other stuff but it is always about the friendship kevin smith's whole filmography is about bromances right clerks mall rats i mean even chasing amy while it's about it is a love story the conflict of the movie is the bromance is in jeopardy because of the romance so like you know all of smith's filmography who i for a long time repped as my favorite director bromance movies right like jay and silent bob called themselves hetero life mates like that is the the framework of Smith's whole career, and again, an early like start for me with my like love of film, um, bromance. I mean, you could argue Back to the Future as a bromance. Doc and Marty, like, come on, um, it's a weird one. It doesn't make any sense. Why is this old man hanging out with this young kid? But you know, whatever. It, it's great. So. I I really enjoyed the King speech. I thought it was fantastic, and uh, I don't. I still think the Social Network is a better overall movie, but I still love this movie. Um, so that was my take on it. It sounds like you were also a fan uh, beforehand, though. Yes. And I think uh, we can get into spoilers. I don't know that I'm going to say a whole lot in spoilers, but let's let's go ahead and do that, guys. From here on out, we're going to talk about this movie. You have been warned. I went a little technically spoiler by saying King because he's not King at the beginning of the movie. He's far but from I mean, it, right? It's history. And if you, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't know. Right. It's not. That's why I was a little loosey goosey with what I was saying. Cause I'm like, yeah, it's, it's technically history. So if you, if you're, I mean, to be fair, I didn't know any of that. And I'd seen darkest hour. And uh, do you know who plays the King in that movie? Mm. No, I don't remember. Um, uh, ben Mendelsohn, who I am a real big fan of and could not, I still cannot remember him in that movie. I saw it. I only saw it once, saw it in theaters, really liked Darkest Hour. Oh, I was yeah. really compelled by okay. it. But I'm a big Ben Mendelsohn fan. And I was like, oh man, he was King George. This, I, I don't know if he stuttered there. I don't think he's in it very much. Um, but uh, the stuttering thing, I man, I thought Firth did that really well. Um, it felt pain. Like I, I was having secondhand anxiety every time yeah. he had to give a speech i was like oh my god i this is so stressful and um like i i get stage fright kind of thing anyways but like 
if I knew I had like a stuttering problem like that, it would, and and people were not okay with it. You know what I mean? Like too, like it was like this. They were real harsh about the fact that he couldn't just say what he wanted. The scene where his dad's like just yelling at him. I know, like multiple times, we see that. I'm trying. The dad was somebody famous too. I think he's letting me down with the cast list. Um, was it Michael Gambon? I think. Oh, oh, it's Dumbledore. Yeah, that's what I asked Bill. I was like, "Isn't that so and so?" And he's like. It's second Dumbledore, to be fair, but still, it's Dumbledore for like most of the movies. Um, yeah, uh, like that, and oh, when he's dying, like, and they have him sign the paper, but like he's so not with it, it's so sad. I was wondering about that. Was he just? I should have done some research. I was wondering what, like, if it was, because it seemed like he didn't. I don't know. I, I don't know either because you did not finish a single I know. Before, so. I was wondering if it was something to do with like dementia or Alzheimer's because it seemed like he didn't even know what he was supposed to be doing at that paper. And right. they're like um, coaching. They're like, you need to you need to sign here. And they're like holding yeah. the pen for him. Yeah, I don't know how legal that it was either, like to have him sign oh, knowing that he was not, not all there. Because it um, was- so I don't know if that's true or fabricated for the story maybe like speculated kind of thing sure. but sorry i didn't mean to cut you off there but no that would make sense i wasn't even thinking about that but he was handing off power to them right which is why it's like oh man is that okay like he's not he's clearly not all there because they're asking questions um but and then uh guy pierce takes over um that what, what was his name king edward boy he what a douche that character is right like or that person i guess he's not a character um sorry matt if that's uh, if i've offended you by calling a former king a douche but (laughs) dude when he was talking down to birdie oh he was mocking him for uh stuttering yeah when he because he got defensive about it um yeah uh man there are some some really tough scenes I, I do I love the relationship with Queen Elizabeth and and King George though like um there's so much uh like she's so patient she's so kind I I was I kept getting worried that there that wouldn't be like there would be like this big scene where she like fights him or whatever but like she's so compassionate and loving of him and I just I love that um, I am a big fan of movies where people are just like good people to each other instead of like awful people. Um, I think my favorite scene, though, is when uh, Logue's wife finds out that he's been giving speech therapy to the king. And, and, so good. And she, she walks into the queen and she's just like, "What the hell's happening? Like, Will you be staying for dinner?" Yeah, yeah. But they told it's them so... to use his discretion, so. Um, man, I actually did not play. I, I'm familiar with this actress. That's Jennifer Ely. I had not. I did not place her in the movie. That's who it was. Um, she's in some really good stuff. She's in a couple of questionable things. She's in a lot of stuff. Man, I've seen a lot of her movies and didn't even realize how many of them I'd seen. But Logue's um, wife. yeah, Logue's wife, um, M- Myrtle Logue. Uh, Jennifer Ely is, I believe, how you say her name. Um, she was in Contagion, uh, which oh. we did for. Bandpocalypse, um, Detroit, The Fundamentals of Caring, uh, the, 
one of my favorite movies that I got to see at Tribeca, The Miseducation of Cameron Post, which I have been advocating, but it's really hard to get a hold of. Um, I actually, I say that, but I got, I bought two or three copies of it at the Dollar Tree uh, not too long ago because I'm like, oh my God, I haven't been able to get this movie. Um, I'm snagging it for a buck. Uh, I have not seen that movie. I keep checking that I've, maybe I did see that movie. I don't know. But um, yeah, she's a good actress and she's not a big part in this movie, but she gets some good scenes. Um, but I, I just, Lionel Logue is such a good character, uh, a person, I guess, but character in the movie. And um, Jeffrey Rush, I'm just, I I really, really love him in this movie. Like, I, I'm a fan, I would say, in general. And, oh, man, I just realized that he's Barbosa. I could not place what character he was in the pirate movies and it just dawned on me who he is. And I, I am such a Jeffrey Rush fan because I love him. Barbosa is like my favorite part of the pirate movies. Like I, I like Jack Sparrow, of course, because it's Jack Sparrow. But I love Barbosa. That was the reason I kept watching those movies. And I did, did not click. That's who this was. So, oh, man. Um, Jeffrey Rush. I, I love. I, I'm looking forward. I just I'm looking at his filmography here. He's in Shakespeare in Love, which is on my list of movies I have to see because it's the best picture winner since I was born. Um, haven't seen that. Can't wait. Uh, Shine has come up uh, a few times for me to watch. And so that's a movie of his that I'm going to check out. Um, yeah, and he's in a lot of stuff that I'm never going to watch because uh, there's just too many movies in the world and I can't watch every single thing. But um, big fan of him in this movie. I just I found him so charming and, and loved it so, so much. Um, oh, what a surprise there um sorry i i i'm on letterbox and a, a critic who i'm often not in agreement with has gave it a one star so i'm like yeah not a, not surprising that we don't agree uh the king's speech what yeah well keep in mind um all best picture winners are always overly scrutinized and a lot of times people will uh, especially if I read a review um, that was negative about the King's Speech because the person wanted the social network to win. It's like, yeah, but that's not... That doesn't make it a bad movie. No, and it's not the King's Speech's fault that it, it won. It didn't... I mean, it, the movie itself did not... Like, sure, maybe Tom Hooper like bribed somebody, but like the movie didn't do that. Um, I, I think it's a very good movie. It's definitely... It's not like when we compare it to like Crash. Crash is a Best Picture winner that I don't understand why no. that won Best Picture. No. I, I still think social network deserve to win but i don't think the king speech is like undeserving either i just think if you compare the two i think social networks overall more impressive film but i think both are really good movies and i think you could make an argument for king speech if you wanted to like um it's definitely a more inspirational story i would say than well social network has like negative connotations behind the success right like this is like Hey, this man overcame a speech impediment to empower the nation at a time when it needed to be empowered the most, right? Like in the face of this, especially the one thing I really think the movie did uh, interestingly is this guy can't speak well, like in normal conversation, he stutters, he stammers, whatever you want to call it. And then they, sh they show him watching Hitler. Oh yeah. And Hitler was, that's the, his thing. He was this grand speaker who could, you know, move people to do horrendous things through words. And he's supposed to beat that. And he can't speak. So, like, they, they set the opposition up so compellingly that you see him, like, his his own 
internal conflict of this self-doubt. Like, how can I ever be a leader? Look at this guy. I can't do that. I can't move the nation. And he moves the nation like he does. And that's what an accomplishment. And it's like, you know, it, it's inspiring. It's it's awesome. Like, it's totally, totally great. Um, not to mention how relatable is a fear of public speaking? Like most people relate to that. Granted, he has a bigger reason. And a bigger audience. <laughs> but and, and a, Yeah, much larger audience than most. But still... But- you can relate to that part of it more so than like, normally it's hard to relate to like royalty and their problems. Right. Cause we're like, whatever rich guy to calm down. But this is like a very human fear and a natural thing to connect to. So I, I just think all, it's just so compelling. I agree. I, when you said that, that like every time that he would, even that first speech that he gives at the, was it Wimbledon? The race. Um, it was a, a race, not not tennis, because um, there were horses. I think I think it was horses. I actually don't know. I can't remember, but he's giving the speech, and it's. I mean, I hate even being in front of a class and speaking, so I can't even imagine not even having a speech impediment <laughs> talking in front of that many people. Yeah, I, I think this movie's great, and I love Logue. Yep, I, I'm I'm content with saying this is a must see movie. I agree. I'm glad that I got to watch it again. Yeah, I'm glad I finally checked it off the old list. Um, that said, uh, let's look ahead. Next week we will be back in our bromance mode uh, with Corey's pick, and Corey's first pick. I feel like I definitely saw as a kid, but I also thought I'd seen Forty Eight Hours and found out that that was not true. So, um. Or not 48 Hours. There was another one that I thought I'd seen that I only saw like a part of. But um, we're going to be watching Tango and Cash from uh, 1989. This could have been last month's episode, really. But, um, man, I'm so sure I saw this, but I also think I haven't. But it's Sylvester Stallone, Kurt Russell, Terry Hatcher, Jack Palance. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Um, that's He's a, the villain in Shane. Um I'm excited about that. Uh, and it's directed by Andre Konchalovs. I think I got it. Um, I've only seen... Oh, wait. Did I just... Man, I think I just logged... No, I guess I... Uh, I have said on Letterboxd that I've seen this movie. So in my mind, I've seen this. I'm willing to bet that I either never saw it all the way through or saw enough of it that I thought I saw it. Um, but nonetheless... We're watching that next week. That'll be our review. Uh, Corey's never seen it. I may have seen part of it or all of it. I'm not really sure. We'll find out next week. Um, in the meantime, you can follow us on social media. I'm at Burke Reviews and Corey. At Corey R Star. Two R's on the end. And you can rate and review this podcast if you like what we're doing because it will help other people find the show so that they too can enjoy the dulcet sounds of Corey going, uh, <laughs> um, uh. In the meantime, so thank you. I'm hoping to nudge you out of it. No, you're being like his dad. <laughs> oh no, I'm gonna hire you, Lionel Logue. It's gonna be, be fine. We'll get, we'll get someone on here. I can't knight him like he wants to be. I can't make him the head of some whatever. You can, but you can treat him for medical problems as you are a doctor. It says so on the door. <laughs> there are oh. no letters after my name. That's right. <laughs> 
in the meantime, uh, keep wearing masks to stop the spread. And most importantly, keep watching movies. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com. <laughs>